Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back, everyone, to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Uh, it's good to be back, and it's good to see you again, Jay. How are you, Ben? I've uh, been pretty good, Tom. Uh, good. Nothing super to, new to report, but just enjoying the last uh, vestiges of summer. Yeah. Yep. Well, you do have something to report. I mean, we're a month into the Thought Leader Collaborative now, and that I think that's been a learning experience for us all. It's been fun to see the dialogue, and it's fun to see you know growth that the people are reporting who are members. Yeah, for sure. It has been a good experience and, and hopefully for our members too. And I think based on the feedback we've been getting, it has been. Um, we had Laura Frederick join us for a live training earlier this week, which was exciting and, and I think valuable for people. So looking forward to see what month two holds for everyone. Well, and we know Frank Ramos is in store for month two. So, But that's not what I wanted to ask you about for underrated, overrated, but you did hint at it in your initial answer. So we are approaching Labor Day, end of the summer, unofficially, correct? So I wanted to ask you about the past 90 days. How was your summer, Jay? Overrated or underrated? Um, I would say I would say maybe slightly underrated based on my expectations. I I kind of had thought, you know, come early June that I was really gonna make a concerted effort to you know, maybe try to step away a little bit more from work and find an opportunity, like, for example, take many more Fridays off. Um, and it's been a great summer, but that hasn't really panned out. I've been <laughs> working more than I probably had hoped for uh, or hoped to. And so that that makes it a little bit underrated, but I have no complaints. I mean, we've had a good summer and and looking forward to taking a few days off over the Labor Day weekend and maybe can get that last recharge in before the end of the year sprint. How about you? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I report similar. I don't know that I was making a concerted effort to not work as hard as I have, but I worked way more than I thought I would. I would typically summer in the marketing business is kind of slower because the clients sort of step back, but for whatever reason, maybe it's because I'm writing a book and that took some of my time. But anyways, I, you know, it was a good summer with the family and um, just personally speaking, it was a great episode. And I asked people to put a pin in that comment because I'm going to come back to that after we introduce our guest. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's bring in Scott Oliver, who we're excited to have join us today on the podcast. So Scott is a partner at Lewis Capus, a mid-sized law firm based in Indianapolis. His practice focuses in the areas of commercial finance, real estate, and corporate transactions. His niche is in representing lenders to close SBA transactions in all 50 states. And he's, an all, he's also an adjunct professor in legal communication and analysis for first-year students at the Indiana University McKinney School of Law. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, awesome. Well, it, this is one of those instances where with many of our guests, we've uh, had a chance to interact on LinkedIn. And, and Scott, you and I have talked on the phone a couple of times, but this is the first time we've had a chance to sit down for this type of discussion. So really happy to have you here. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, yeah. And so I want to get started with you uh, talking about kind of using 
a LinkedIn post that you you recently shared, uh, which has gotten huge engagement on the platform, um, just to set the stage for people. Um, it was paired with an image of you and your daughter at uh, either the zoo or an aquarium, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Great photo. And I just want to quote from that post for a moment, because I think it'll help set the stage for today's conversation. And you, you wrote, um, among other things in your post, if you have personal stories that you want to share, I want to read them. What makes you who you are is critical to how you show up in a variety of contexts. I will still read your 20-page articles, but I encourage you to share your personal stories, experiences, strengths, and dare I say, weaknesses with the world. So I wanted to read that because I think it kind of goes against the grain of some of the things we learn as lawyers coming out of law school, you know, thinking about the profession and how someone needs to um, kind of what posture they need to assume as a lawyer. Um, and that would be in many cases sort of stiff, formal, um, holding things close to the vest. And um, that's not necessarily what you were uh, encouraging people in that post. Um, so I guess why is it that do you have a do you have a point of view on why is it that we have this um, kind of old school view of how lawyers need to present themselves um, in a, in that sort of stiff formal fashion? Yeah, Jay, I think that's a great question, and it's one of those where the answer is summed up by what we believe when we enter the profession. Uh, so here recently, I was actually doing a speaking engagement at the local law school. And we came in and all the students were dressed to the nines, very, very formal and asking the same sort of questions to our panel of attorneys. And our answer was, you know, you, you come into law school watching the media, watching TV shows, and you have this idea of what a lawyer is or what a lawyer should be. And that sort of idea or mask of what a lawyer is supposed to be carries on not only through law school, but in the profession. Uh, recently, we've been seeing a lot of students reaching out asking, you know, is this what it means to be a lawyer or what does it mean to be a lawyer? And I'm seeing more and more attorneys speak more about the fact that lawyers are human beings, too. I, I jokingly said, you know, I don't sleep in a suit, although if, if you had video right now, I am in a suit. Uh, but there's more to a lawyer than being that stiff image, hard-nosed bulldog in the courtroom. We're people too, and that authenticity through practice uh, is beneficial not only for the lawyer, but his or her clients, friends, family, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. Oh yeah, I, would, I was just going to say, um, Scott, I think that that all makes perfect sense. And, and you know, that essential message you shared through that LinkedIn post, I just wanted to um, mentioned to people that, that that is a post that's gotten over 525 reactions. So clearly that message resonates with people. So um, so maybe, you know, I think as Tom will get into here shortly, there, there's an alternative way to think about, you know, the, how to how to be a lawyer and how you need to present yourself. So go ahead, Tom. Yeah, that's exactly. And that's why I asked you the uh, underrated, overrated question about your summer. I was hoping you would talk about your family and not how you spent the last 90 days working. And if you remember my comment, uh, Scott, on your post, it was, I know more about you as a person now than I would have reading 30 posts about, you know, what you do for a living. And of course, I want to read that too, as you said, right? I'll, I'll read the 20 page article, but I can learn about your expertise. But after reading the post about you and your daughter, and I have a daughter too, now I know that I like you, right? And we've never met. 
until just now. But I know that I like you. And Jay and I always talk about how you're you're going to end up hiring the person that you like at the end of the day. There's going to be expertise and everyone that you consider for a particular job is you're checking off the boxes that they have the table stakes. They have the expertise, but you ultimately choose the person you like. So why this, why are you advocating for this alternate approach as an attorney? Um, is it because the proof's in the pudding or is there something deeper that you're trying to accomplish? I think it's a little bit of both. Honestly, I, I would say that the primary reason is because when I look at the legal profession, uh, I absolutely love it. But I see some of these negative aspects coming up when attorneys are working themselves to the bone, uh, you know, trying to chase the dollar and sacrificing the things that they love for their career. And while we, we do work very hard uh, and we should work very hard, it's important to realize that you know, that's not who we are. That's not the only thing or person that we are. If we're not going to the aquarium with our, our little toddlers and things like that and having the family time, we're not able to show up for our clients. Uh, so that's the piece of the profession that I'd like to see change just for attorneys to have better balance in their lives and be happier and have more of a positive view and statement when we're talking to law students about what the outlook looks like as they transition into their professional roles after law school. On the other end of it, being authentic and putting yourself out there and being able to relate to other people is beneficial on the business side too. Uh, just because, like you said, people want to work with people that they like or they resonate with. And if I can, you know, connect with you or have a conversation with you about work, great. Yes, I have certain skills that can benefit you. And that's, that's, that's what we do as attorneys. But if I can also call you up and say, you know, this is how things are going. You know, I have this family thing going on, but I'll get right back to you. And we understand one another. Uh, that allows us to plan. That allows us to execute at the right time. And it just builds a stronger, lasting relationship that, you know, it, it pays off in multiple ways. Scott, I'm, I'm interested in your point of view on this. Um, I, I know if I think back to early in my career, um, when I was a first year lawyer, uh, maybe a few months in, there was kind of a, you know, a, a annual dinner reception that all the attorneys in our Chicago office, the firm I worked at attended. And the managing partner of the office is sort of a tradition. He would he would bring today's Wall Street Journal or that day's Wall Street Journal to the dinner and would kind of review the front page of the uh, the journal and tick off all of the the stories that were being reported on the transactions and other matters where the firm was involved in and you know that was impressive um and he he also talked about how you know one of the reasons the firm was where it was at and successful was cuz you know the lawyers in the firm are really dedicated to their clients they i remember him talking about like we think about our clients issues when we're taking a shower and um you know that was actually something that stuck with me and i i found that as a lawyer um one one of my strengths was the um the, the fact that I would always be thinking about my clients and their matters. But that was also, I found over time, especially from a mental health perspective, a big negative as well. That was that caused me a tremendous amount of stress because I had a tough time letting go once leaving the office. Um, you know, you're talking about this uh, notion of being a well-rounded human. Um, do you, I guess, do you struggle with that? Do you have any tips for other people? Because I know a lot of people have trouble letting go like that and and finding a life outside of the office as a result of being just, you know, consumed by their client work. 
Yes. And I, I do struggle with that. And I think a lot of lawyers just naturally struggle with that because of, I guess, the, the mindset that we have to enter the profession in the first place. Um, so from a mental health perspective, I've had to stop myself from having those sorts of thoughts because I, similar to you, you know, I carry my client's issues with me at all times and I'm thinking about it at all times and that's not healthy. Uh, it does pay off to an extent because you're there and you're serving your clients. But when you are at the aquarium, you know, you're at a t-ball game, you're, you're putting your little ones to bed or you're spending quality time with your significant other and things like that, you have to be able to turn it off at least for that time. And that allows you to recharge in a sense. And then, you know, once you're done and maybe you have to log back on after hours to get a job done, you're ready to do that. And you're not uh, having those negative thoughts about the work that you're doing. Instead, you're you're refreshed and you're able to look at things with clear eyes and, and get the job done for your clients. Uh, but it's, it's certainly something that I have struggled with uh, and things that my colleagues have struggled with as well. And it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. yeah I'm do you curious. Have... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Tom. I just wanted to ask out one follow-up, which was, um, I know you're a big advocate for physical fitness and, and working out, is that something that helps you? And, and do you find that other people, other lawyers who have sort of these routines and practices that they adhere to outside the office can help in that regard too? I think so. I think it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be working out or physical fitness, but I have, I have friends who like to read, right? And, and I'm not talking about reading 20 page cases and case law and statutes. I'm talking about, you know, fiction or nonfiction, something that's completely unrelated to the law, but that's their thing. If you have that one thing, I think that will help you rest, recharge, balance yourself, and really show up when the time comes. For me, that is working out, and I'll do it very, very early in the morning, and it's not something that I love waking up at the hour that I wake up, but once I do it and I have that hour and a half or so to myself to do something that I enjoy, I find that going into the office, getting behind the desk, doing the job, just showing up for people there and my clients is so much easier than the days that I don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I have my, my one thing is, um, if anyone cares, outside of my family, my biggest passions are music and my dogs. So my one thing is, it's a non-negotiable on my calendar. I walk the dogs and listen to music, and it doesn't matter what state of mind I'm in going into that, coming out of it, I'm so centered. And I don't even use those buzzwords, but I am centered, I'm calm, I'm ready to take on the world. So couldn't agree more. I wanted to go back real quick to uh, LinkedIn, if you guys don't mind. So I want to pick both your brains. Because LinkedIn, I think most people are conditioned to consider LinkedIn as it's the professional network. So I have to be buttoned up. And maybe if I'm on Facebook, I can show more of my human side. But this post that Jay just you know referenced, you're doing Facebook activity on LinkedIn. And you're not the first person that I've heard say that they should do that and get the results. So by results, I mean just you know people engaging, people anecdotally reporting back to you. I feel like I know you more. I feel like I like you more, all that stuff. So are... Where do you guys both stand on the balance between letting the personal side creep into LinkedIn? And are there ways, examples, do's or don'ts, either one? I'll start with you, Scott. I think uh, there is a balance and, and it's a really fine line. Uh, the things that I post when it's more personal, I suppose, on LinkedIn, while it's not your typical, oh, I made X, Y, Z 
uh, naming in the news or something like that. It's always tied back to something that you can relate to a professional setting. So my way of doing it is I don't have a set schedule, but when something comes up in an email at the office, outside of the office that I think uh, makes a difference to me, uh, to use kind of a cliche that, ex that inspires me in a way, I'll sit down and I'll write that out and then put it into a post. And more times than not, I'll get messages, lots of messages in my inbox, not even the ones that comment that just say, thanks for sharing that. Or I had that similar issue or experience and I'm glad somebody is talking about it. I'm not posting pictures of a steak dinner and saying, oh, look what I had to eat for supper tonight. That's more Facebook, Instagram, right? Uh, but I'm also not just posting those 20 page articles about my practice areas. Uh, I used to do that. That's actually what I used to use LinkedIn for. And it's kind of transformed over time to move away from that and more move towards here is a lawyer. Here is what a lawyer does. Here is how a lawyer interacts, at least in the private law space and the challenges that he faces and how he's viewed them and even resolved them throughout time. Uh, so it's, it's, it's changed a bit. Jay, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with much of what Scott, all of what Scott had to say there. Um, and my approach is similar. I mean, I think that, you know, 90% of what I'm sharing is a little more professional in nature, but there's still stories, right? I mean, there's still stories from my experience and what I learned from them with an, with an eye towards helping people, um, you know, kind of learn from my example and my fails and, and maybe some wins. Um, but I, I do share personal anecdotes as well, because I think, again, to this point of, you know, people want to know who you are, not just what you do. Um, and our personal lives are a big part of what informs what we do professionally. So, you know, I, I share stories about, you know, things I'm doing with my kids as well. I shared a post a few weeks back about, um, going sailing with my daughters who had been going to sailing camp and I have no idea how to sail and how we got stuck out on the lake and had to get towed in. Um, you know, again, tying it back to some lesson that might be relevant to people's professional life, which is it's okay to try new things and fail sometimes. That's the only way we can kind of learn and grow. So I'm with Scott on all of that. Um, I do find like, this is a more tactical point. When I'm sharing those more personal stories about, say, example, for example, weaving my family in. I typically do that later in the week, you know, on a Friday or Saturday. Um, earlier in the week, I'm sharing more, you know, substantive expertise type content. I think that's just maps to how people, what people are feeling at that point in time. Monday, maybe they're ready, charging to go for the week. They want tips on how to, you know, succeed professionally. And by Friday, they're just kind of burnt out and want some feel-good stories. So um, if you're thinking about that, I, I'm not saying that's necessarily the way to do it, but um, if we're thinking about LinkedIn specifically, sometimes when you post something is is as relevant as what you're posting. So keep that in mind. And Tom, you did ask about uh, pitfalls, and I don't think I answered you on that. I think one of the biggest pitfalls is if you if you step over that line and make it too personal, you know, almost what you would see on Facebook and Instagram about things that are not somehow tied back to something professional, uh, some sort of lesson learned, uh, or some aspect that can relate to the business world. Um, but most of the time, uh, I'm not seeing that on LinkedIn uh, as often. And anytime that, you know, Jay posts stories about sailing with his daughter, it's always something that I feel like I relate to him. 
and that I can learn something about him, like you said on my post. It's something that you can carry with you. Yeah, I think in for me personally, and I think just a general observation, I think people are going too far the buttoned up route. I don't think they're going over the, the other line that says, you know, it's too personal or too, um, you know, sort of, you don't want to do Instagram activity on LinkedIn all the time. And I, I don't think, I think, in other words, I think we need to move the needle a little more towards the, the approach that you and Jay are talking about for sure. Yeah. And uh, Scott, I'm also, I'd also like to talk briefly about how this all relates to leadership as well. Um, and how we can motivate and inspire those who work around us and how being more vulnerable, more open, uh, more collaborative perhaps uh, can help us to achieve those objectives. So what are some of your views? I know you're a, you're a very young partner in your firm and that's very impressive. Um, and part of being a partner is being a leader. So how do you think this ties into leadership? I think it it ties quite closely to leadership because people who are more authentic, more vulnerable about their practice are more approachable. Uh, and I kind of take that sort of approach when I'm working with anybody on my team, uh, whether it's the person in the copy center, the paralegals, the legal assistants, the associates that I now work with. It's not this rigid hierarchical structure where you only open my door if you have the most important question. Instead, it's the door is always open. You come in here, I'm going to tell you, you know, what you need to do from a substantive tam standpoint on a deal or whatever it is you are working on. But I also want to talk to you about how I was feeling, what I was seeing when I was in your shoes not that long ago, and kind of how to navigate those waters to achieve whatever goal it is that you want to achieve. So that type of collaborative setting, in my opinion, helps build teams uh, and not just build teams, but build healthy teams of people who not only want to stay, but who want to work with you and who will work well and kind of share the same sort of values and ideals that you have with the clients that you're building. I have a, uh, a, a kind of a follow-up question to that, sort of. And that's going back to you being a leader, right? And so um, leading by example is one thing. So I don't know how much you've done this type of thing where you're showing your human side specifically on LinkedIn. That post was just recent and it was really memorable, caught my eye. But do you have a, like a methodology or steps that you think you could say, all right, you know, Jay likes to say that the best way to form a new habit is to, to take new actions, right? And then it becomes a habit and then it becomes a part of what you do and then it becomes part of who you are. So what are there like two or three things that you would lead maybe a, a junior associate, senior associate through the steps to, to kind of get where you are now in terms of showing your human side offline or just in general? Yeah, I, I think outside of LinkedIn, I would say the biggest thing is to think of yourself as being beyond billable hours is something that I like to say, right? So as attorneys, we sit behind a desk and we bill hours. We're in the service industry. That is our traditional job. But what do you do when you're not doing that? And a very easy, quick step for an associate to take there would be walk down the halls, find somebody that you haven't spoken with, or maybe your direct supervisor or somebody you work with, and just ask them and say, you know, how are things going? 
not your small talk where you're just trying to do it to get by, but truly ask them, you know, what makes you tick? Tom, I know you like music now. I didn't know that before. That's really cool. We can talk more about that later, but you can do that in your office, on the streets, with your clients. Figure out what makes them tick and, and, and share your story with them. They'll share their story with you and it will only build that relationship and help you become more comfortable being authentic. And in turn, that makes you a happier person and increases the relationship. Yeah, that's really great, Scott. I think that, you know, what you're really getting at is, you know, part of being a well-rounded lawyer is being curious and being curious about other people and learning to ask good questions and, and have those interactions. Um, so I think that that's really powerful. Um, so Scott, I think, you know, that's probably a great place to wrap here. Um, so I, we want to make sure, I, I think that you, you definitely share some of the best content of, of any lawyer I know on LinkedIn. So I definitely want to encourage people to the extent they don't already follow you or haven't connected with you at LinkedIn to do that. Any other you know, place you want to uh, direct people to learn more about you, your practice, you as a human? Um, why don't you share that with, with the audience? Or is LinkedIn the best place to go? Right now, LinkedIn is the best place to go. Uh, I'm very active on the website. If anybody wants to shoot me a connection request, I'm always happy to connect. Uh, similarly, if there's a message, it might take me a little bit to get to it uh, just because of the amount that I receive on there, but I will respond. Uh, and I'm happy to speak with anybody, uh, specifically you know, law students, young attorneys who might have questions about what it means to be a lawyer, how they might uh, start being more authentically themselves. Um, I'm on an open book and glad to chat. Great. Well, I, before we wrap, I wanted to um, just build on something you said, Scott, because I, I love the idea of just walking down to somebody's office and asking them questions, meaningful questions or a client. But I have to credit Jay because he touched on this in his post today and he quoted, uh, what's it, Dale Carnegie? Yep. Jay? Yeah. Uh, ask people questions that they will enjoy answering. So if you ask me a question about music, I love it. Right. And we would actually you really get to know the true Tom Nixon. And so figure out what those things are and ask questions that people will enjoy answering. And then the rest is easy, I think. So great. Well, thank you, Jay, for that nugget of wisdom. I told you I'd find a way to apply in the podcast today. And I did. It's Scott. <laughs> thank you. It's great to meet you. I'm off to go check out some more of your humanizing posts. And to everyone else out there, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week on Thought Leadership Project. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.